0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم كنتم خير أمة أخرجت للناس تأمرون بالمعروف وتنهون عن المنكر وتؤمنون بالله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أحب الناس إلى الله أنفعهم للناس صدق الله العظيم وصدق الرسول النبي الكريم Respected brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, it's a great honor for me to be here, and I'm very grateful to the Dar es community for giving me this opportunity to remind myself and my dear brothers and sisters in Islam about our very, very important responsibility that we have in this moment, in this day and age that we are living in right now. And me sitting here in front of you and you sitting in front of me, listening to this lecture and me giving this lecture, brothers and sisters, there's something beyond lectures. There's something beyond just us sitting, listening to these lectures, coming together, we should ask ourselves that from these lectures and sit with this intention that, Ya Allah, what can I take from this lecture as a practical change in my life? What, what taqaza, what demand, what does my sitting here, what does my speaking to you, what does it demand of me? And this is one of the most important things that we have to take into consideration Brothers and sisters, that deen has not spread through lectures. Deen has never spread through muhadarat, you know, conferences and lectures, but deen has spread through amal, through deeds, through action, through effort, through mujahada. Those who struggle in our paths, we open up for them the doors of guidance. At this current moment in time, My brothers and sisters in Islam, we are at a very crucial and critical stage in America. The state of affairs that we are in, literally history is being written as we are living day by day in this country. This moment, don't think this moment is just like any moment. Don't think this time is just any time. But this is a very critical and very crucial time that we are living in in the United States of America, rather in the world. And this is not a time which we can just sit back and say, you know, life goes on, and it is what it is, and you know, Kama yamshi, you know, kullu, kullu yamshi. Raho, bas. that's it. Continue on with your life and things are gonna be as it is, no. As we speak, this moment, history is being written. The history of Islam in the United States of America is being written as we speak. And every single one of us, me as the speaker, all of the mashayikh and the ulama and the uh, uh, lecturers that are here, they are part of this history. You are part of this history. Every man, woman, and child is part of this history of, of Islam in the United States. And if you think that, you know, now is the time to go to sleep and now is the time to just relax, and no, this is the time that every single one of us, We need to realize, and mashallah, the the, the title of this retreat and the title of this conference says it all. We are ambassadors of faith. This is what we are. We are ambassadors of faith. And every second, every minute, every decision that we make, every action that we do, every organization that we establish, every interfaith that we have, every neighbor that we speak to, Every MSA program that we establish, every person that we convey this message to, history is being written. Either for the positive or for the negative. Either for the benefit of Islam, or God forbid, for the detriment of Islam. So this is not the time of complacency. This is not the time of, you know, being lazy, or being complacent, or being careless, or being insensitive, this is a very very crucial time, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is showing us before our eyes. Allah Taala is showing us before our eyes. What were people saying? Oh my God, look at the guy that's been elected. Let's all move to Canada. Nobody went to Canada. Everybody's still sitting here. There was a there was a gold rush, you know the Canadian, you know. Website for immigration was, you know, completely crash Everybody, where is everybody? Everybody's still here. The reality of it is my dear brothers and sisters. We are here to stay. We're not going nowhere We're Americans. We're not going nowhere. That was a reality despite the fact that oh my god we're gonna be lambs to the slaughter But the reality of it is is that we're here to stay now if we are here to stay we're here because of a divine Hikmat, a divine wisdom, has brought us here. Whether you came, and like I said in Salatul Jumu'ah and the khutbah or the bayan, whether you came to make a better life for yourself, whether you came for the education of your children, whether you came to become an engineer or a doctor, whether you came for whatever reason you came, but that reason is a secondary reason. The primary reason you are here is because of the hikmat of Allah Jal and the command of Allah and the as we say, it is a divine wisdom and because of the divine system of Allah that he wanted you here for a purpose now is not the time for you to overlook that now is the time for us to become aware and this jalsa may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward its organizers, it is so crucial, it is so critical and when, when, I, when I saw the Unwan, I saw the, 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 the topic and the subject, I was so delighted because this is very, very critical at this point in time. How do we engage with our brothers and sisters? Our brothers and sisters, listen closely to me. Brother, brothers and sisters, I have a habit everybody should know. I speak very openly, and I'm very candid, and I'm very frank at times. You know, I don't like to, you know, cover up my talk and flowery speech. I say it straightforward. And I'm going to say it exactly as it is. If somebody, you know, becomes offended by what I say, I apologize. This is just the way I talk. But imagine in Afghanistan. I was born in Afghanistan, Kabul, Afghanistan. I came here when I was a year old. But imagine in Afghanistan. Imagine in Pakistan. Imagine in any Islamic majority Islamic country That the government says we don't like Christians We're gonna take all of the Christians out of this country and deport them back to where they came from How many Muslims in those majority? Muslim countries would stand up go to the airports and start protesting against their government that we are going not not going to allow we are not going to allow our fellow brothers and sisters who are citizens of our land, citizens of our country. How many Muslims would do that? But do you know in this country, despite the fact that we felt for a split few moments, we felt like we're lambs to the slaughter because of Mr. Trump's announcements and rhetoric. We felt ourselves, we need to make hijrah to Canada, isn't it? Who stood up for you? Did the organizations and the masajids, did the you know Islamic organizations stand up for you? No. The white Americans of this country, the non-Muslims stood up for us. And what did they say? No hate, no fear. Muslims are welcome here. No hate, no fear. Muslims are welcome here. Immigrants are welcome here. Who is this? These are the people that we don't care for them. These are kuffar. How we would title them, and how we would address them, and how we would think of them as what? What just brush them with one brush? Kuffar, those kuffar. Allah put such love in their hearts. Allah put such adl in their hearts. Allah put such insaf and justice in their hearts. Allah put such compassion in their hearts. Allah put such humanity. Let me ask you a question. Do you need to be Muslim to have compassion? Do you need to be Muslim to have humanity? Do you need to be Muslim to have love? Do you need to be Muslim to have justice? We saw that with our own eyes. Allah is showing us this miracle. The miracle that, Inna aniladina Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who defends the believers. It is not them who did it. Allah put that in their hearts. We are grateful to them. But Allah is the one who put it in their hearts. And now, when when we look at that, we should also be fair. And Allah should put in our hearts the love for the hidayat of these people. The love for the guidance of our fellow citizens. The love for the being involved in the betterment of the communities of our fellow citizens. And these, this conference, I believe this is what it is bringing our attention to. That this is a very and extremely crucial and critical time that we are in. We need to be aware and we need to be fully conscious of this responsibility now that we have. It is not acceptable for us to be unaware of this responsibility, to be neglecting this responsibility that now is our time that we have to connect. Now is our time that we need to build those bridges. Now is the time that we don't, we should not have us and them, because they didn't have that. There is no us and them. There is us. Because Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he taught us, and this is a Quranic teaching. Ya Ahlal Kitabi, Ta'ala. Oh people of the book, come. Look at the word that Allah is using for the people of the book, which we would say, what are they? Kufar. No, my brothers and sisters, this is not, this is not right. This is not a correct mentality. <laughs> it's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely incorrect thinking. Because Allah says Ta'ala. He doesn't say, right? Get lost. He says, Come. These are Allah's words. Come. O oh, people of the book, come! I'm reading to to I'm reading to you that book of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Ya ahl al Kitabi, ta'ala w'ila kalima sawa'im بيننا وبينكم. Allā nā'bud illā Allāh. Walla nushrikabihi shay'an. O people of the book, come, so that we can come to something, we can come to a platform which we share. Views, what is the views that we share that we should worship none, but Allah we should worship God alone And he alone is worthy of worship and we should not ascribe any partners. Allah Ta'ala is teaching us the usul and the principles of having relations with non-muslims having relations with our neighbors how to deal with and maintain these relations with our fellow citizens. Number one, ta'alaw. Be welcoming towards them. Be welcoming towards them. Don't, you know, don't mm-hmm. bashiru Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? To his messengers that he was sending to Yemen, who was largely, the Yemenese people were largely Jewish and people of the book. And they had some idol worshippers as well, but many of them were Jews. Many of them were Jewish. What did he say to the messengers that were going to those non-Muslims? بَشِّرُوا وَلَا, يسروا ولا Give them glad tidings and do not ward them away. Do not scare them away. Do not threaten them away by your words, by your actions, by your dealings. Do not do that. بَشِّرُوا وَلَا تُنَفِّرُوا Give glad tidings, give basharah, make them feel at ease, make them feel comfortable. وَلَا And do not ward them away. I saw, subhanAllah, many of the brothers and sisters from one of the churches, I was looking at the Salam website, and there was actually an interfaith that you had inside of the masjid, you know, a- a- allowing them to see the masjid, allowing, you know, this is, this is beautiful. This is the Qur'anic concept of wa ila kalimatin sawa' my lecture is going to be later on tonight knowing our boundaries and maintaining our identity inshallah i'm going to be discussing the details of it then today i wanted to specifically speak about seven pieces of advices of muslims in the west by hazrat Mawlana sayyid abul hasan ali al hasani al nadwi rahimahullah ta'ala what advices that he gave for the muslims in the west and you when you when you when you hear some of these advices there almost like prophecies, you know? It's almost like Peshingoya, goya, Peishin Goyi, prophecies that he's telling, and you're like, SubhanAllah, he said this 30 years ago, and it's coming, it's coming true now. We see it before our own eyes, and he had said this, and he had foretold this 30, 40 years ago. But the point being is, we are at a very crucial time, and I am very pleased, and I am very happy, with this retreat and this conference, but all of us keep this in mind. Alhamdulillah that Masjid Darussalam is one of those exemplary communities that is fulfilling this responsibility. But every single one of us, the Masjid is the center. The Masjid is the center. And every believer is like a honeybee. We go and we take from the flowers of the garden. We take from the good of what is in our community. And we bring that back and we make honey in our communities. And that honey is something that is shifa This is the example of the Muslim community. We should be like the bees of a hive. The masjid is our hive. This is where the honey of iman is produced. We go into the bees don't sit on filth. The bees don't sit on najasat. The bees do not sit on feces. The bees sit on flowers, they sit on fruits. They take the beautiful, most sweetest nectar, and they bring that nectar back to their hive, and they make the honey inside of that hive. And then that honey that is produced in the hive, that becomes ul linnas. It becomes a cure for the sicknesses of the people. SubhanAllah. Brothers and sisters, our example, the example of Masjid Dar es Salaam, the example of every masjid is like the hive. And every Muslim, we are like those bees. We go into the community, we don't take the filth and bring it in the masjid. We don't take the gandagi and bring it to the masjid. I see, unfortunately, you know, youngsters with their phones, looking at this website, looking at it. Why are you bringing the filth inside the masjid? Leave the websites outside the masjid. Leave the bihayai the outside of the masjid. Take the honey. Take the nectar. Take the good things. Bring it. And as a community, we come together, the doctors, the engineers, the affluent, the ulama, the hufaz, and bring all of the positive good things that this society has to offer. This is a beautiful country. I did not get my deen in America. I did not get my deen in Afghanistan. I did not get my deen in Pakistan or India. I I actually came into deen through in high school, through a friend. I became Muslim and I changed my life here in America. I have an attachment to this country and all of us feel that we have an attachment to this country and don't feel this guilt that if you do have an attachment to this country, then as if you are some munafiq or something. You are not. You are not because the values of justice and liberty and goodness and all the khayr that's in it. Be like the bees of that hive. Go and take the good things that are in this environment and bring it back and create that honey of Iman. And this is what, in a nutshell, what Maulana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi rahimahullah, is going to guide us to. And MashaAllah, all of the masajid, they're doing that, but every single one of us, whatever we hear, now we have to take this back with a different perspective. Go out to your work. Go out to your job. Go out to your business. Go out to your schools. Go out to your university with a different outlook, with a different perspective. Not the same perspective that me, myself, and I. I call it the Holy Trinity. Once, you know, you heard about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another Holy Trinity. Unfortunately, some of us have not broken these three idols. We have to break these three idols as well. Me, myself, and I. This is the Holy Trinity that has to be broken. My message is to myself and everyone. Whatever you do. One brother, he was, while I was walking out, he said, give me some advice. I said, very simple advice. Whatever expertise Allah has given you, Whatever qabiliyat Allah has given you, whatever tawfiq Allah has given you, whatever gift Allah has given you, whatever wealth Allah has given you, whatever knowledge Allah has given you, use it for the benefit of Islam. Don't use it for the benefit of me, me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I will be taken care of. Don't worry about that. That will be taken care of because Allah has promised it. Allah has promised it. That is not our test. Our test is not for me to earn a living and make a good life for myself because that is promised you will do that Nobody has to explain that to me or you Everyone knows how to do that the test here is what am I doing for humanity? What am I doing for community? I? Have, I'm an engineer major. What am I doing with my this this major for the community? I'm a doctor. I'm a cardiologist. I'm a neurologist. What am I doing with what Allah has given me for my community? كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ لِلنَّاسِ You are the best ummah that has been taken out for the benefit of mankind. How do you do that? I'm not an alim. I'm not a hafiz. I'm not a mufti. I'm not a shaykh al-islam. I'm none of this. How can I benefit deen? The sahaba they were not all ulama. They were all not hufaz. They were all not the muhajireen. They were business people. They were traders and businessmen. And the ansar were agriculturists. They were farmers. Whatever they had, they brought it to the table. Whatever Allah had given them, they said, Ya Rasulullah, here is our life, our wealth, our expertise, whatever we know. This is for the sake of Islam. So going to the subject at hand, Regarding our state of affairs when Maulana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahimullah, First of all, why did we select this person? What's so great about this Maulana sahab? What does Maulana sahab know about what's going on in America? And why can he advise us about that? Maulana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi is not like any Maulana. Mawlana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahimullah, was born in 1914 in Rai Bareli in India and he is born in a household whose nasab goes back to Hazrat Imam Hasan <laughs> the grandson of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi Wa Alaihi Wasallam. He comes from this family. Like Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, إِنَّ إِبْنِي هَذَا My son, Hassan, He said, my son. To Hasan where is his grandson? He said, this son of mine, Hassan, he is a leader. He is a leader and he will lead this ummah, and he will reconciliate between two opposing armies or two opposing right, uh, 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 parties that will disagree with each other. He will bring them together and reconciliate them. He is from the family of Imam Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he had studied and he actually established Nadwatul Ulama, which is one of the most illustrious, one of the illustrious madaris and Islamic institutions in India, which is world-renowned, recognized by Azhar, recognized by the Arab countries as well. And for us to understand this personality, in 1951, in 1951, he was allowed to enter the Kaaba, Hazrat Maulana Abdul Hassan Nadwi. He was such a recognized individual and personality that he was allowed to enter the Kaaba and the one who was the keeper of the key of the Kaaba had opened the door for two days and he allowed Maulana Abdul Hassan Ali Nadwi and anyone who is from his entourage and his people to enter into the Kaaba so that he can bring them for the ziyarat of the inside of the house of Allah that very few people in the ummah ever get the chance to see in their life. In 1980, he was given the King Faisal International Award in 1980, the King Faisal International Award of the greatest works, greatest author and personality of Islam. In 1999, which I believe is the same year in which he passed away, he was given the Islamic Personality Award by Sheikh Muhammad, one of the uh, rulers of the UAE and the United Arab Emirates. He was the honored personality. He was given a Lifetime Achievement Award by UAE and many of the nations of the world were gathered there and he was given this. In that year, Hazrat Mawlana Abu Hassani Nadiwi, rahimahullah passed away and I was sharing with uh, Mufti Minhaj and uh, Mufti Azimuddin and the other uh, mashayikh that were here that Allah Ta'ala blessed us in 1999. We were there. In the haram of Mecca, And they made an announcement. As-salātu ala al-ghāib. al Prayer upon the deceased who is far away. I'm like, Allah, but I never, you know, you hear. As-salātu ala al yarhamukum Allah." We always hear that, right? Prayer upon the deceased. May Allah have mercy on you. Right? As-salātu ala al-tifli. Right? So I said, as-salat al ghaib Prayer upon deceased who is not present, he's far away. I'm like, and I'm listening, who is this? And Shaykh Sudeis, he said, as-salatu Al al ghaib ala shaykh Abu al Ali al hassani al-Nadwi rahimahullahu ta'ala, Allahu Akbar. And I was, SubhanAllah, I was shocked. I said, they're praying the salat al-janaza of this personality, of this human being, in al Mukarramah, led by the Imam of the Kaaba. Now we can understand who is this personality that the whole world, I mean, lifetime achievement awards he has received. One of the qualities that Hazrat Maulana Abul Hassani Nadwi has is that the ability to bridge the gaps with the Arab world and through. The bridging of this gap was able to make the Arab world aware of the genius of Islam that exists in the Indian subcontinent. Because a lot of times the language can become a barrier. But what we had forgotten, my dear brothers and sisters, that Arabic language, this is the Quranic bridge that guides us, that it is through this that Imam Bukhari became Imam Bukhari. If he would have written the Bukhari in Farsi language, nobody would have even cared. It would have been some manuscript somewhere. Many people hear about the Mathnawi. Mawlana Jalal Rumi. Where is the Mathnawi? Arabs don't know about the Mathnawi. Arabs really don't care about the Mathnawi. They could care less, right? They, because it's the, but what connects us is the language. What connects us is this, is the Quran. Hazrat used this Mubarak language and he built this bridge between, right, Asia and Arabia. And it created such an awareness and a muhabbat that his kitabs were being taught in the universities and in the schools. Qasas nabiyeen became one of the most famous books, children's books that were being taught to in the schools, even in the Arab countries, and is taught in the Madaris. So this personality that we're speaking is a very illustrious personality, a very dynamic human being. Hazrat says something very amazing. And he says, and this lecture was given. I actually, if you go to abulhasanali.nadwi.org, these are all of his lectures that he gave in the America when he was invited in the MSA in 1977. He spoke in New Jersey, in New York, in Chicago, Bloomingdale, in Indiana, and in very, very various different places. Salt Lake City, Los Angeles. These are the places that Hazrat came, all of his lectures and bayanat, a hadith sariha fi America. Clear words, explicit advices in America. Basically, I've summarized in a summary, there are seven pieces of advices that Hazrat gives. Seven main advices that Hazrat gives in the West. And I wanted to share that with you Insha'Allah. First point he says, when he was giving this lecture, he said, as you are aware, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we should be aware of the Dawat of the Prophet, the Dawat from the seerat of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How many years was Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Makkah Mukarramah? He was 13 years of untiring effort in Makkah Mukarramah, and seven years in Medina Munawwara. This is one of Hazrat's lectures, right, that, he, that took place in, in, in the West. So he said, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, our beloved prophet, 13 years he gave Dawat in Makkah, seven years he gave Dawat in Medina. But despite that, there was no large scale of movement of non-Muslims into Islam. So, you have basically 20 years and you have no large scale movement, 20 years of effort. So, you know, when we hear that, أفواجة, you see the people entering into Islam in large, large groups, flocks of people entering into Islam. That didn't happen even in the first 20 years of Islam. When did this take place? In the last three years of Islam. And there were no influx of people entering Islam for the first 20 years of the Da'wat of the Prophet. Everything that took place was in the last three years. Very interesting point. Why is this? SubhanAllah, look at what Shaykh Abul hassan al-Nadwi says. Why is it that in those 20 years, Islam did not spread? And in the last three years was, Fi fawj. Groups and groups of people started entering into Islam. So he says, Imam Zuhri, Rahmatullahi Alayh, an eminent muhaddith. He says, and he expressed his surprise, how did this ch- change happen in three years? So he said that this was due to non-Muslims having had an opportunity for the first time to observe and intermingle with the Muslim community in Madina Munawara. My dear brothers and sisters, do you know how much the Prophet used to intermingle with the non-Muslim community in Medina Munawwara? That a woman had poisoned, a Jewish woman had poisoned the Prophet. She brought him a piece of meat and said, Ya Rasulullah, this is a hadiah for you. Please accept my my Dawat. And we know that the meat of Ahli Kitab, when it is slaughtered according to the name of Allah, this is permissible. When it is slaughtered in the name of Allah, then the meat of the Jews and Christians, it is, it is permissible for us, as long as they take the name of Allah when they are slaughtering. She brought it and said, this is a hadiah for you, Ya Rasulullah. So close interaction, that the Jews were giving da'wat to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Did we know that? And what she had done? She had such access to Sayyidina Muhammad that actually the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was poisoned. The effect of the poison had gone into the blood of the Prophet. And one Sahabi actually passed away from that. This was in the last three years. I am mentioning this, brothers and sisters, for us to understand. The witnessing of the life. He said, why did you do this, oh woman? Why did you do this? Look at what she says. That if you were a Prophet, it would not harm you. And if you are not a Prophet and you're a fake, then we'd be rid of you. The important point is they were watching him in everything They were dealing with him They were living with him Do you know that Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He had a Khadim who was a Jewish boy A Jewish boy was the Khadim of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Would we allow a person to be so close to us who is not a Muslim to do khidmat Shaykh kili khidmat Sheikh ke khidmatgar koon hai? Musulman bhi nahi hai. Uske liye khilafat ki zarurat hai. Right? Sheikh ke khadim. Who is the khadim of the shaykh? Non-Muslim, Jewish. Allahu Akbar. The effect of that was, was what? That that young boy was afflicted by a sickness due to which the Prophet then visited him. He said, oh my young boy. Say that I am Muhammadur Rasulullah. Say la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. You will be successful. The young boy was afraid because his father was watching him, and he's on his deathbed. Imagine the courage of Rasulullah coming in his home, such close to al But the courage that he had in front of his father is giving da'wa to Islam. He's saying, "Oh, my young son, oh, my young boy." He must have been mutamayyiz. He must have been mature at that age. He wasn't a young, young child. He must have been in his teenage years. He said, oh my my son, say that there's no one worthy of worship but Allah and Muhammad is, and I am his messenger. So the young boy looked at his father out of fear that you know, if I accept Islam, what will my father say? The father said, oh my son, ati' abul Qasim, obey Abu Qasim and accept Islam. Allahu Akbar. Because the character of this man is that he is a true prophet. And the young boy, he said the kalima before he passed away, Jewish boy. And the Prophet Sallallahu walked out of the house and he says, "Alhamdulillah, min al All praise be to Allah who saved him from the fire. Look at that close relationship. And we can go on and on and on about how many relationships the Prophet ﷺ had made. Zayd ibn Sa'ana was a Jewish man. And he said, Zayd ibn Sa'ana is telling this riwayat. He's saying, I was watching. I was a Jew, and I was watching Muhammad, every single thing that he is doing. And brothers and sisters, at work, at school, at your businesses, at the colleges, at the universities, when they know that you're Muslim, when they know your name is Muhammad, when they know your name is Fatima, when they know your name is Zainab, when they see you wearing hijab, trust me, they'll be watching every single thing that you are doing. This is the importance of being aware of your conduct, being aware of your responsibility, being aware that you are the ambassador. Hazrat is saying that what was the cause of people entering into Islam so much was because they had the opportunity to observe and intermingle mingle with the Muslim, witnessing their honesty, their fair dealings, their compassion, and their sole reliance on Almighty Allah. That these people are not, you know, running the rat race just like us. <coughs> Excuse me, boss. I really need to take Friday off. Why do you need to take Friday off? It's my day for prayers. Wow, oh, this guy is, some, this is like a different guy. It's not a normal guy. No, I don't want to give it to you. Test, testing, testing. You know when they do testing? This is, this is the testing time. No, I don't want to give it to you. He said, okay, then I, I can, I can uh, do a lawsuit on you. Then we'll talk about it later. I'll have you talk to my lawyer because this is my freedom of religion. Oh, okay, you guys are really serious about your religion, man. These people are really serious about their religion. They don't eat or any—they don't eat or drink anything all day in Ramadan. The people see this. These people, what, what are these people? They're not—they're like—they're not human. What is this? You don't eat or not even water. You get that question? Yeah. So you can't even drink water. Was a, there was a friend. Was a friend of mine. He says I'm fasting. Ash Wednesday, it's so hard, I have to stay away from chocolate today. (laughs) It's Ash Wednesday today. (laughs) He's a friend of mine, so I was like, come on, try Ramadan with us, man. (laughs) Try Ramadan, you know? So that interaction in a beautiful way, in a positive way, I can tell you, maybe 75 to 80% of converts to Islam, it happens through interactions, our friendships. Our interactions, our because in the end of the day, we're humans, we're the the humanity. The Prophet ﷺ considered the people that he was with, his people. If you are going to say, no, my people are the Indian community. My people are the Pakistani community. My people is the Afghani community. If you're going to have that mentality, then you do not have concern for your people. This is our people as well. Why they're not your people? They're your neighbors, then they're your people. Because Rasulullah ﷺ said that the Jiran and the neighbors, they have haq over you. Jibril came and told me about the neighbors so much that I thought he was going to include the neighbor in the miras, along with the, my family. Imagine. This is the haq that these are our people. Don't think that they're not your people. And this is why, one of the reasons why we don't have concern. Why we don't have concern? We don't consider these people, our people. But Sayyidina Muhammad he did consider our people. And we have to understand, are the non-Muslims of the world, the Ummat of the Prophet? Yes or no? Yes or no? We have to consider them. They are the Ummati of Muhammad. Did we know that? We are not. When Nabi said, Ummati, Ummati, who's he talking about? The ummah of Muhammad is divided into two. Ummatul Ijaba, the ummah that have accepted the da'wat and the ummah that is wajib to give them da'wat. But they are still the ummat of Muhammad. If you don't consider them the ummat of Muhammad, you're com- committing a grave mistake. You're committing a big mistake. They are the ummat of Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam. And if we consider them, this is the ummat of Rasulullah, I have to love them because they are the ummat of Rasulullah, then you have a, a concern for them. So, number one is, Know the Dawat and the Sirat. This left such a deep and profound impression on non-Muslims that thousands entered into the fold of Islam within a relatively short period of time. And why was that is because many other factors. Of course, there's many other factors. Number two, Hazrat mentions, the second advice that I have for the Muslims living in the West is apply the lessons of the Sirat now, here and now apply the lessons of the seerah of the Prophet here and now. Live in your akhlaq, mashallah, many other bayans were given. Many of the other lectures, right? Exemplifying, as an ambassador of Islam, you have to exemplify the akhlaq of Rasulullah This incident contains abundant lessons, how Muslims should live in this country. Their conduct should be sublime and captivating. If you want to cheat somebody, okay? Don't do it. Don't do it just for the sake of not cheating somebody. Don't do it because you're making a khianat to the ummah of Islam. You will be making and you are doing a grave injustice to writing the history of Islam in this country. One khianat, one sexting, one khianat one lie, one evil thing that we do, it represents us as a community. Be aware of your actions. As scholars, we should be so much more aware. As students, we should be so much more aware. As sisters, as brothers, we should be so much more aware now that everything that we do, right? This is an example for people that, who are watching us and they are seeing us. Our akhlaq should be such that whoever sits with us should be inclined towards Islam. There should be no need to convince someone to accept the truth. Allahu Akbar. Therefore, in this country, look at how Hazrat is saying his 30 years ago advice is just as applicable now. His, therefore, in this country, if you if you wish to live peacefully and have an opportunity to present Islam to the host community, you will need to inculcate and manifest excellent qualities and akhlaq and business dealings and ethics and morality. The way that we are acting with each other, we should not be acting with the, with the non-Muslims. Brothers, I, say, I hate to say this and it hurts me to say this, but I've heard many, many people say, Mawlana Sab," I'm sorry, please, but I'm never gonna deal with another Muslim again. How many times have we heard this? Ke karna, tawba, 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 tawba. Ke saith, I'd rather do a dealing with a non-Muslim than do dealing with Muslim because I know he is going to fraud me with Inshallah, MashaAllah. Inshallah, MashaAllah ke, saith, wo mal ke he's going to take your mal and run with it. With Inshallah and MashaAllah. This is his tools. Inshallah, brother. Inshallah, MashaAllah. MashaAllah, inshallah, inshallah, mashaAllah. And you know, that $10,000 of mine is still gone. He's saying, Inshallah, mashaAllah, for like five, ten years now. These are things that are coming to me. This is what's coming to us as Imams, as Ulama. Muslims don't want to deal with other Muslims. Muslim partners are breaking away from each other. And they're saying, you know, I, I'd rather deal with, you know, John and Bill and Tom, Dick and Harry. I would not rather deal with, you know, Abdullah and Zaid and Bakr and Amr. Why is this? When we, when this is our conduct amongst ourselves, can we be an example for non-Muslims? The hawla So shameful, so shameful. When we are fighting amongst ourselves, sometimes brothers and sisters, please forgive me. This is, I have to share this. This is, I'm sharing my heart. You know when a new brother accepts Islam, I'm so scared for him. And 30 siparas of the Quran has become nazil on him at one moment. 30 Jews of the Quran is going to come with him like a lightning bolt in one minute and they just accepted Islam You know, you have a tattoo that tattoo is not right What is your name? Oh, my name is uh, Roger. No, your Muslim name. Oh, bye leave the guy. He just said Kalima No, you know 30 siparas of the Quran with one lightning bolt you want to bring upon him and they just said leave the guy let the person come organically For 10 years, after 10, 12 years, hijab was revealed to the Muslims. After 12 years, sharab was made, uh, 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 and alcohol was was made forbidden. After 10, 12 years. I'm not saying that, you know, you should say, it's okay, I'll give you 10, 12 years. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you as a da'i, you shouldn't lightning bolt him with the 30 siparas of the Qur'an right there on the spot. There's a reason why this Qur'an was revealed gradually, tadrijan. So, you're an example. I'm afraid sometimes when people come into, and, and con- convert to Islam that I'm afraid that they should not be exposed to some of the character of us Muslims. I've heard converts to Islam say, Alhamdulillah, that I accepted Islam because I read about Islam, not because I met Muslims. Is this what Mu'ana abul Hassan al-Nadwi is telling us? Such a shameful thing for us to hear. I'm glad that I became Muslim reading about Islam, and I did not become Muslim meeting Muslims. Do you know why? Because if I would have met Muslims, I would have said, oh my God, I don't want to enter the religion of these people. They got so much problems themselves. They want to kill each other. They, They will not pray behind each other. They will not talk to each other. They will not meet with each other. They will fraud each other. They'll rip each other off and they'll use this word inshallah, mashallah, and they'll rip each other off. If this is the, then this is the reason. This, these, are the, these are the reasons why we're not going anywhere. Why are we not going anywhere? So, for us to do that, not just inside our masjids, but outside in the streets, in the markets, in your daily activities, at home, subhanallah, our front door neighbor she is a christian lady she's in her 70s she's retired when we went to umrah we got her some you know you know those those special dates chocolate covered dates and you know they make these very nice you know things so i got some and we went and you know we went with the all the, the children and my wife and we you know we all went to her she's like a you know she's like a mother you know she's very old and very nice woman and one of the things that it aches my heart when I see the akhlaq of some of our brothers and sisters she was sweeping the front of our driveway she was sweeping a 70 year old woman tears came to my eyes I said Sandy what are you doing you know I should be sweeping yours he said no no no. I just saw some leaves and I didn't think it's fair that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, brushing up the leaves of my driveway, and that the leaves of your driveway should be left so dirty. I just didn't feel right. And basme pani pani that's it. I just became completely shamed. So when you know when we, we took her dates, and we took her hadaya and gifts, he said we went to Mecca, you know, for pilgrimage, and we remembered you and we prayed for you. She could not stop crying. She could not stop crying. And she said, you know, you thought about me? You know, you actually thought about me? These are, these are the brothers and sisters. These are The best of you in Jahiliyyah is the best in this. These, our brothers and sisters of humanity, they are gold mines. Don't be neglectful, brothers and sisters. Don't be neglectful, open your heart Take away the, the. I know it's hard, it's hard to just knock on somebody's door. It feels, you know, we gotta come out of the comfort zone. It's hard, I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard, going and knocking on somebody's door who's not a, you know, even for, for, for a Muslim, but for a non-Muslim, even for your neighbors sometimes, it's hard. For another neighbor, I remember, we took him a gift as well. He thought, you know, what is this, a bomb or something? And I said, no, 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 no. You know, the, way he was, the way he was taking it, he's like, <laughs> Should I take? I shouldn't take. I said, it's okay. This is our culture. It's okay, it's our culture. We want to, you know, honor you. You're our neighbor. And I said, see, it's wrapped, it's covered, plastic. There's no. And he felt very uncomfortable. And then, you know, after that, and I felt uncomfortable. I said, Man, I shouldn't have done that. You know, he felt so I said, it was better not taking him a gift. Bijara, you know, I think you know he had a problem taking it inside his house, doesn't know what's gonna happen after that. But then (laughs) What, 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 what hurt me and what made me feel sad about that whole situation. Why does he have to feel that way? Why did he feel that way? He's my neighbor. He shouldn't feel that way. It's my fault that he feels that way. It was my fault It's not his fault that he feels that way. Why didn't I do it before? I shouldn't have done it before But I'm delaying and this is the result of it that now he doesn't even feel comfortable to take. So he doesn't feel that trust why didn't I build that trust? And then after that, SubhanAllah, I was, the whole night I was thinking, Ya Allah, you know, I hope, you know, I didn't make this person uncomfortable. I hope I didn't cause him taklif. The next day, so, you know what he did? He would take our garbage cans and put them in, you know, on garbage day. I said, is that all it takes? Bas, that was all it took. Just a hadiah, just a gift. And the Sahaba, they used to give their lives. They used to do so much khidmat. And this is how open. And those people's heart was closed. They didn't want to hear about Islam. They were hostile against Islam. These people, Bacare, many of them are a clean slate. White, white, clean slate. Some of them don't have anything. Despite all this media, despite all the stereotypes. So we have to apply the lessons of the seerah. Here and now. And Hazrat also mentions the dangers of living in isolation. I just explained to you, danger of living in isolation. My neighbor is next to me and I'm living isolated. I never even taken him a gift. When I give him a gift, he doesn't even have any trust. That is the danger of isolation, that they will not trust you. But then what these Muslims are up to, they're up to something. You know, this Muslim guy and his wife, she's all covered. They go in the house and then they come out of the house. And they go in the house and they come out of the house. I don't know what's going on here. That's all I know. This is what I know. And then there was some bombing in in, in somewhere, so I don't know, this is is what I've seen in these people. No talking, hi, they'll wave and they look it from the side of the eye and then in, out, in, out, that's all I know. This is, people get affected by it. Hi Joe, hi Bob. Hey, how's it going? You know, what do you guys, you know, do you guys need any help? You guys, would you like me to mow your lawn? We're not even mowing our own lawn and now we're gonna mow somebody else's lawn. We need to come out of that comfort zone. You know, Hazrat is saying, this is the danger of living in isolation. Hazrat says, as a student of Islam, it is my religious responsibility to warn you. Hazrat is saying, 30 years ago, it's my religious responsibility as a student of Islam to warn you if you do not lead an upright life, if you continue to live in an insular lifestyle, and if you fail to manifest the beauty of Islam to non-Muslims, then you will face some real dangers. In such case, there is no reason for you to feel safe in this country. Allahu Akbar. 30 years ago, Hazrat said this, because if you're not involved with the people, if you're not conveying with the people, if you're not involved in city hall, if you're not representing there, or if you're not representing in the soup kitchens, and the place where they feed the hungry, getting together with the synagogue and the church, let's get at interfaith feeding of the hungry in the month of Ramadan. And then what will happen? Oh, this community is such a good community. You see, they're always feeding the poor, they're always, they're always there in the front rows, Trying to help the community. Muslims are always in the front, you know, in the front rows trying to help the Muslim community. No, we will never allow anyone to take our brothers, our Muslim brothers out of this country. We know the the, the contributions that they have done for, for Chicago. We know the contributions that they have done, you know, for Lombard or for we you know whatever city. We know their contributions. You cannot say that they are bad people. We know what they are doing. And when you do that, Your own neighbors and your own fellow Americans will stand up for you. So do not feel content and self-satisfied. And Hazrat said that, you know, be aware of this. And he said, take lessons from Spain. This is number four. The fourth advice to Muslims in the West, take lessons from Spain. And he says, what is the lesson that they had in Spain? That... The Muslims were involved within themselves, involved within building their own, involved in internal fighting, what they called the tawaif. There was a major thing that had taken place that there was, right, sectarian violence and fighting amongst the Muslims themselves. In Muslim Spain, we call the tawaif, in which they were arguing with themselves. One was, you know, fighting the other one, and the other was fighting with the other one and the one other one was saying the other one is kafir, and that one was saying that one is kafir, and then what happened, right? The non-Muslims, they took advantage of that. And what's happening now? We have such important issue to deal with right now in this country that we are living in. And what are we doing? We're right, fighting with that. I'll give you an example, one example. There was a brother who accepted Islam in our local masjid in Fremont an African American brother, and some brothers taught him how to make wudu according to the fiqh of one imam. This is very serious. Or us imam kinizdiq, according to that imam, you make you make masa, right? And you do the wiping of the neck. So he had learned how to make wudu like that. He just entered into Islam, just maybe three days. Three days he's a Muslim. Another brother, hey brother, why are you wiping your neck will wudu? That's bitter. That's bitter. He said, what's bitter? He said, the Prophet didn't do that. That's a sin. You're not supposed to do that. This is not established from the hadith and this, that, and that. And actually, it is established in the hadith. And it is a Hassan hadith narrated by Ibn Hajar Asqalani in Talkhisul Habir, And he authenticates the hadith that anybody who wipes his neck, when he's making wudu, then Allah Taala will save him from the yokes of from from the yokes of fire on the day of judgment. That's a different topic altogether. But the ignorance of this person, because it's not established according to his mazhab, or according to his imam, or, or according to his maqtaba'i fikr, or according according to his school of thought, what he did in front, what is the more important thing? Is the more important thing that that person is making wudu, and this non-Muslim has accepted Islam, and he is going to worship his Lord, or you proving your point. And by proving his point, his point was proven, and that person, a couple of days later, he left Islam. Yes. He left Islam. Because they did not let up on him. You gotta watch out for these people, man. You gotta watch out for the tabligh. You gotta watch out for this. You gotta watch out for that. You gotta watch out for these people. And he's like, man, I gotta watch out for so many things. <laughs> I was watching out so many things, now I'm in here. I thought I was safe, now I gotta watch out. You're never safe. The sharks are there, even in the masjid, you know? Like, what's going on here? And this guy's like, maybe I made a big mistake to accept Islam, so he left Islam. He went back, all because of our ignorance, our infighting, our sectarianism. This is ignorance, my dear brothers and sisters. And even if a brother is doing something wrong, that is not the way to correct him. Even if he is doing something wrong, that is not the way to correct him. So, number five he says, earn your place in the country. My dear brothers, Hazrat mentions, you must earn your recognition in this country. You should earn your place and leave an imprint on the host community of your value and significance. You must show your exemplary conduct that it is far nobler than that of other people. Your ethics is higher than the ethics of other people. Your character is higher than the character of other people. You must impart on them the lessons of humanity. You should demonstrate such commitment and noble virtues that impress on people that there cannot be found more upright human beings elsewhere besides you. You need to establish your worth showing what blessing and mercy you are for this country. You shouldn't become a lanat on this country. You should become a blessing for this country, a mercy for this country. If, however, you decide to live in an enclosed environment, simply content with your prayers and fasting, careless of the people in this society that you live in, never introducing them to the high Islamic values and your own personal qualities then beware, lest any sectarian violence, just like, right, Trump's rhetoric, he's flaring up and inciting internal violence, right? Then if you don't show your character, then what will happen? You should beware. If you have not proven yourself as a part of this community and society, in such a situation, you will not find any safety or protection. It is Allah's fadl that he put in the hearts of our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our American brothers and sisters in humanity, that they stood up for us, and they said that, you know, if you're gonna register Muslims, you're gonna register me. Muslim registry, I am Muslim. Holding up, holding up signs, I am Muslim, hashtag. I am Muslim, hashtag. All because of what? All because of insaniyat. Insaniyat ki se. They're doing this because of humanity. They're not doing this because of our religion. They know that we're humans. Now imagine if we had shown them our character, and if we had shown them our compassion and mercy and our humanity, what would have been happening? Number six, your priority should not be wealth and luxury. Your priority shouldn't be me, myself, and I. You have to present a new pattern of life in this country you will not earn recognition by exerting yourselves in the workplace if you overwork you will look up you will be you will looked you will be looked upon disparagingly and likened to horses and bulls look at these guys man look at how they're working at the 7-Eleven. 24 hours a day 7 days a week man the guy doesn't even take break on juma is that what you want to be known for that you work like Bulls and horses. No. And alhamdulillah, Muslims have not shown that. Because when it comes Friday and it comes Jum'a day, whether it be in the high schools, whether it be in the colleges, whether it be in the workplace. Sorry, boss, I got to go. Just a half hour. That's why the imams, they have sniper rifles on them. Quickly finish. Don't you know I got to go to work? Imams, you know, be aware of that, imams. You know, people, mashallah, they're trying to present themselves in a good light for their bosses as well. May Allah ta'ala reward all of you. May Allah reward the imams for, you know, shortening their bayans. I'm also in that that category. However, if you don't give a balance, that you give some time to your deen, and you give some time to your work as well, then you will be labeled as workaholics and money-making machines. Is that what you want to be known for as a community? Workaholics and money-making machines? However, if you can show to the people here how you are worshippers of Allah, but not worshippers of money. But you are also successful in worldly aspect as well. You are successful in the worldly aspect as well, but it's not overwhelming you. This is not all we worry about. We have another purpose and objective as well. Our money is for the community. Our money is to establish ourselves, but more so to establish our future, to establish our community. If you can show to the people that you are worshippers of Allah and not wealth, and you do not bow before power but only before virtue, you are humans and think like humans, you are concerned not only about yourselves but also about others, and you are compassionate about your own children as well as their children, that you are earnestly concerned about the path of destruction they have chosen for themselves and you want them to have a life of guidance and objective, then you will earn their respect. They will begin to respect Islam, and they'll be desirous of studying it. They will ask you for literature concerning Islamic beliefs and practices, and an opportunity will arise here for you to promote Islam. On the other hand, if you remain occupied in eating and working and engaged in your own life, remaining indifferent to what is happening in the country, insulated only within the Muslim community, totally careless about what is happening outside and which direction the country is taking in such a situation. If there is trouble, you will not be able to save yourselves. And final advice. Number seven, he said, strengthen your position. He says, I have been meaning to convey this message to you, and I do not know whether I will be able to visit you again in the future. You gathered here with great love and affection. Therefore, it was easy for me to convey. And as a student of knowledge, it would have been convenient for me to recommend the virtues and reciting various zikr. Is zikr ko paro? Is wazifa, is wazifa paro? Or pir, yani, you'll be flying, you know? I can give you this wazifa, and I can give you this zikr. It could have been very easy for me. Hazrat was a very big sheikh as well. Hazrat could have given you all the wazifas. He said, but I'm not giving you wazifa. I'm giving you. Practical implementation, what you need to do in this country. Please strengthen your position in this country. Earn your recognition. Don't be like a straw or crop that is uprooted by a mere breeze. You should be so firm that even a hurricane is not able to displace you. Display such noble character that you attract the hearts of the people. See then how these people will stand up to defend you. Allahu Akbar. If there is the slightest hostility towards you, they will be the first ones to argue on your behalf. And argue what a blessing you are for them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us uh, amongst those people who become true ambassadors for our faith and who are able to make a positive effect in this community.